Let's take our Bibles and open together, please, to the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 17. 1 Samuel, chapter 17, is a very famous passage of Scripture. And I remember as a, as a child uh, hearing, hearing about the story of David and Goliath, uh, even from my earliest days as a child. And uh, just a, a story that's very captivating. The book of 1 Samuel is a very captivating book. Uh, I like the action uh, of the Old Testament. Uh, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of, of, of battles that take place. I'm reading through the story of, uh, I'm sorry, the, the book of Judges right now, and uh, just all the, all the great feats that God accomplished, and the, how, how God used sinful man to do such things. And as we read through the, the Word of God, it's, it's always important to understand the people that God uses. Uh, you know, sometimes we well, I'm not the most talented person, I'm not the most gifted. Well, God used a donkey in the book of Numbers. You know, certainly he could speak through me if he can speak through a donkey, right? Uh, but God uses people. I'm thankful that God uses people. I heard a, I heard a, a preacher uh, preach one time. He said, you know what? At the moment of salvation, God could have just taken all of us to heaven and, and been done with it. And that would be fine with me. But he's chosen to leave us here for a time, to use us for his glory. And it's been said, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. That's why it's important that as we enter a new year, we learn to reprioritize our lives. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, we come to a very interesting time in Israel's history. There, again facing the, the, the great antagonist of the, of the Old Testament, the Philistines. Uh, they, because of their failure to, to expel them from the land, to conquer them, uh, as, as Joshua led the conquest of the Promised Land, they are now, from generations to generation to generation, forced to deal with them. And they, they, they're great oppressors uh, to the children of Israel. And, and now we find this man named Saul, who had been anointed as king over Israel, a man who had, who had great promise to start out, who failed miserably in his life. Well, now he is at the helm, he's leading uh, the nation of Israel, and he's put together, he's amassed the army of Israel. And he's brought them to the Valley of Elah. Uh, back in 2015, I was able to travel there, and uh, I, I walked down into the Valley of Elah and found a, a brook, and went down into that brook and gathered stones from that brook and brought them back. Many of you received those, and uh, we've got one in our house, and it's just a great, uh, a great testimony of God's faithfulness uh, to his people. But it was there in, in the valley of Elah that David came. He came there not intending to fight a battle that day. He went there obeying his father. In obedience, he went to check on the welfare of his brothers who were part of, uh, who, had been, uh, who had been drafted, if you would, into, into Saul's army. And they're, they're fighting the battles in array, and, and he, they've come, and, and, uh, and David's brought uh, gifts for the captains of the host of Israel, and to check on the well-being. And as he's there, there's a man, a giant, named Goliath, the champion of Gath. He's come out, and he is antagonizing the nation of Israel. He's antagonizing, he's intimidating the army of Israel. He's a man of great stature. The Bible says that he was a warrior from his youth. And now he's come out and he's defying the army of Israel, but more importantly, he's defying the God of the army. And David looks around and, 
And everyone who is qualified to go out and fight against this man is cowering in his tent. Do you realize the one who should go out and fight Goliath was the king of Israel, Saul? No one else would go out and fight him. Saul should have. After all, Saul, according to the scripture, was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel. He was their giant, but their giant hid. And now David said, hey, what's to be done here? And, and, and Saul had made these great promises, you know, like the, the families uh, of, the, of the man who went out and, and, and defeated this giant wouldn't have to pay tribute anymore. Amen to that, right? No more taxes. That's what I'm about, right? And, and, all, and he made great promises. Not only no taxes, but he'd give his daughter Michael uh, to... Uh, to be this man's wife. Man, this is a great, these are great things. Certainly there would be someone chomping at the bit, ready to get out there and fight against Goliath. But that wasn't the case. And as David's brothers were gathered around, this is where we pick up the story in verse number 29. David, he's had this conversation uh, with, with not only his brothers, but, but also others in the host. And they, they accuse David of, of improper motives. And he says, of the, of the naughtiness of his heart, he came out to, to go and watch and, and observe the battle. He wasn't there. They said, you're only here because you want to see what's going on. It's not for any other reason, which was wrong. In their ignorance, they, they spoke against David. But look, if you're able, I invite you to stand with me this morning. We're going to read together here in God's Word. And I, it's doubtful today that we'll get through the entire message, so I invite you to come back tonight and, and, and hear uh, the rest of it. But notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 29 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. The Bible says, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the same manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he, and he sent for him. And David said, said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and, and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of the mouth, or out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. So thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put an, an helmet of brass upon his head. Also he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor and he essayed to go, for he had, not, he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And he put, put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand and chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had, even in a scrip, 
and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, and ruddy, and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air, and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass, uh, carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth. And that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Father, we thank you for the word of God this morning. Lord, is there not a cause? In this well-taught well story, this very familiar story, Lord, we ask that you'd open our eyes to some new things today. Lord, that this familiar story would become fresh in our hearts. Father, that you would teach us some things today that would help us live our lives for you. Or remind us of your faithfulness, remind us of your goodness, remind us, Father, that you and you alone are able. You, the Bible tells us in the book of Ephesians that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all we could ask or think. And Lord, you've set before us a daunting task, but Lord, a task of which by you, through you, we can accomplish. And so, Lord, today we pray that you would encourage our hearts, um, refresh our hearts, give to us this day what we need so that we might better live for thee. Help us understand what this cause is and rally together and serve you faithfully. Father, we love you and we pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention again. There's two verses I'd like for us to note this morning. The first, we've already read earlier in the service today. It's in verse number 29. The Bible says, is there not a cause? Well, what is this cause? It's interesting, the Bible speaks of a cause, but, but does God ever not give us the definition of the cause? Of course, as the story unfolds, as conversations are shared, as, as David makes preparation to go and, and fight this formidable uh, opponent, the Philistine giant of Gath named Goliath, we understand that, that there is a cause that even David in his conversation with the giant reveals. Christians, what is this cause? You know, we're thankful that you and I can belong to a local church. We're thankful for what all the promises that God has afforded to us as members together of the body of Christ. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 16 and uh, verse 18, Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And God has commissioned this church, this, this local body of baptized believers, who have voluntarily joined themselves together to carry out the Great Commission. He's, he's commissioned us with the Great Commission. We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel 
to every creature. Why? Because that is the cause. And Christians, the question we have this morning is, how are we doing? If you look at what the Bible says, in first, back in 1 Samuel chapter 17, I'd like for you to notice the end of verse number 45. At the end of, I'm sorry, the end of verse number 46. The Bible tells us, as David uh, answers this man's accusation, as uh, he answers his, his idle threat, as David recognizes this man for, for what he truly is, small and insignificant in the sight of Almighty God. Remember, God, God is big, right? Uh, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Uh, the earth cannot contain the Lord. God is immense. Uh, God is infinite. And we understand that God is almighty. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. God created man. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. And God, this our creator God, the, the God of the heavens and the earth, Jehovah God, Jesus Christ. Jesus is... Jesus of the New Testament is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. Jesus is the Creator God. The Bible says, For by Him were all things uh, created, whether in heaven or in earth, visible or invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And so here we have our infinite God. And here we have insignificant David facing an, an insignificant foe. He's insignificant in the fact that he is unable even, even Saul recognized the fact that, that he was unable. As a matter of fact, in verse number 33, the Bible says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able. And not to leave you hopeless this morning, but you're not able either. I am not able. It doesn't matter how well equipped you believe your life is. It doesn't matter how well-spoken you are or how charismatic you are. It doesn't matter how gifted, how talented that you deem yourself to be. None of us are able. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, without me ye can do nothing. So as we come to this cause, this cause of propagating the gospel, of going into all the world and preaching the gospel to every creature, we must recognize our inability but we understand that that is indeed the cause. Look what the Bible says in verse 46. Thank you for your patience. I knew we'd get here at some point. In verse number 46, the Bible says, notice as David responds, he says that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Would you note that statement in your Bibles? That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Christians, that is the cause. And the cause has not changed. You and I are to live for the cause of Christ. We are to live for His glory. For His pleasure we are and we're created. You and I are not created for ourselves. The Bible says, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth. You are to, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. To fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Our responsibility as God's children are to live our lives for Him. So why then would we endeavor to do anything other? than just that. 
As we look back over 2021, there are many, many areas in which we give God glory. I thank God for His goodness. I thank God for His answers uh, to prayer, for His provisions of life. I thank God for His faithfulness to me and my family. I praise the Lord for His faithfulness to you and your family. And I thank God for His faithfulness to our church collectively. But we understand that, that God has a purpose for you and for me. And that is to make Him known. Consider, in the book of Isaiah, God tells us, He says, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is none else. Christians, that is our job. And as we come into this new year, it's important that we learn to reprioritize our lives. On Friday night, we were, we were able to meet with our Sunday school teachers and, and, uh, and all of our Bible teachers here at the church and, and go over a few things together. And I made this statement. I want all of you to write this down. I believe this is, this is an important statement that needs to be deeply considered in our hearts. You see, what I want for you, I want for you is that, that God would become priority in your life. Uh, but, if, but here's the thing. Write this down. If, if, if others will make God priority... I must make him preeminent. Would you write that down? If others will make God priority, I must make him preeminent. In other words, our lives must revolve around him. The word preeminent does not mean priority. You know, we have many priorities in life. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I, I, God has has placed upon me different responsibilities, none of which are insignificant, none of which are unimportant. But there are certain priorities in life that, that rank higher, not that they're insignificant, but there are other priorities that we would say take priority over others, right? I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm a Christian. My, my priority ought to give Christ preeminence. The Bible says, look if you would please, the book of Colossians, chapter number 1, and we'll return to this even tonight, but suffice it to say, as we read together in Colossians chapter 1, in verse number 18, the Bible says this, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. In every facet of our lives, God has called us to give him preeminence. In other words, Christ comes before everything else in the world. Christ comes before my wife. Christ comes before uh, my children. Christ comes before this church. Christ comes before any and every other responsibility that I have. If the Lord is not pre, uh, pre, uh, preeminent in your life, your whole life is misprioritized. And I want my children to, to love the Lord. I want my children to, to grow up and, and, and learn that it is a blessing and an honor and a privilege and a joy to serve Jesus. But, but understand this, if church is, if you want, if church is a choice right now, don't be surprised when your children don't choose it later on in life. It's got to be priority. It's got to pre be preeminent. Amen. The things of God 
must be preeminent in our lives. He must come first and foremost. And this morning, I'd like to begin, maybe just share one or two things as we begin this message. Again, I want you to come back tonight. I believe God's going to help us. I believe the Lord will encourage our hearts and help us see uh, what He has for us this year. Would you write down the first, the first truth that we see this morning? Is that His cause will keep us on the right course. His cause will keep us on the right course. Remember, it's important that we, that we understand priority. Uh, I don't want the things of God to become optional. Uh, I don't want the things of God to be uh, unimportant. And, you, and, we may, and we all agree this morning, we're, we're here on a Sunday morning, we've gotten up early after we stayed up late. You know, We've chosen to be in the Lord's house this morning with God's people. But I want us to understand that there's, there was a whole section of kids here this morning that are watching. That are watching, that are wondering, that, that will not forget whether or not their parents made the Lord priority in their life. And may I tell you, we understand, and, and, I, and I say a lot of things, and I'm redundant, but they say that repetition is the key to learning. Uh, but we understand the value of the local church. We know that, that God commands us to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as we see the day approaching. It is vital that all of us be faithful to God. It's vital that we get up and read our Bibles. It's vital that we spend time praying. But may I tell you, so oftentimes we, we do these things in our homes. We read our Bibles. We pray. But when it's time to get up and go to church, sometimes we don't always. But we need to make sure that we're, that we're showing the Lord that He has first place. I'm training my family to always give the Lord first place. When we go on vacation even, we go to church on vacation. There have been times where we've driven over an hour on a Sunday morning to go to church while we're on vacation. Why? Because it's that important that we don't, we don't take a Sunday off. Because in all things He has the preeminence and it keeps us on the right course. Because the course is the cause of Christ. The course is the gospel. The course is helping other people know who Jesus is. That He is Almighty God. That He did die on the cross and pay the penalty for our sin. That He did rise in victory from the dead. That He did ascend back to heaven where He is currently seated at the right hand of the Father. Ever living to make intercession for us. That one day He's going to come again and receive us unto Himself. That where He is, there we may be also. I'm thankful, and I, I want my children to know that. Amen. And you know what? We teach our children these things in the home. The Bible says in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 15, as Paul uh, reminds Timothy of his goodly heritage, he says, And that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. He says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, 
Truly furnished unto all good works. I want my children to know the Lord. Why would we live for anything less than that? You see, I want the world to know, no doubt about it. I want the people who live across the street to know we've knocked every door up, up and down this road. Pickerington, Ohio has received the gospel multiple times. We just mailed the gospel to every home in Reelsburg. Why? Because that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel. And He alone is the God who saves. He is worthy. But what about those in your home? Years ago, a preacher friend of mine, he said that he made the statement to me, he says, don't try to win the world and lose your children. We want the world to know, Christians, don't lose your children. Our church is, does not exist to interfere in your home. We're, we're not here to, to govern your home, to make decisions for your home. We're here to reinforce your home. We want to come alongside you and help you raise your family for the glory of God. We want all of us together to serve the Lord. And it is this cause that helps us maintain the right course. There is no substitute for the local church. No substitute for the local church. Why is the church so important? Well, we understand that Christ died for it. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5 that Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 20, in verse number 28, that, that God paid for it with his own blood. It's significant in the fact that Christ died for it. He redeemed us. But it's significant in the sense that it's the vehicle through which God uses to reach the world with the gospel. And if our lives will count for Christ, if our lives will count for Jesus this year, if all the earth, that all the earth may know that is the cause, then we need to be part of this. Not merely on Sundays. I want to encourage everyone here this morning to be involved in Sunday school. Enroll your family in Sunday school. It'll be one of the best decisions you ever make. Get your kids here. Get your neighbors here. Get people enrolled in Sunday school. It's where relationships are forged. It's where fellowship is enjoyed. It's where we gain depth in our Christian lives. Enroll in Sunday school. But be faithful to church. Don't just attend. Become involved. There are a host of things that, that can be done here that cannot be done by one or two people or even by a handful, but require 100% participation. Man, that's, what, that's our prayer. That's our aim, to see everyone get involved. Become a member and serve God together. There's, there's priority. There's a need. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Christians, 
The cause will help us maintain the right course. What course are you on this morning? The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man. But the ends thereof are the ways of death. The world has a way for you. And sometimes they have their way with us, don't they? We'll get off of that way and get out of their way. And place yourself in the Lord's way. Reminded of what Abraham's servant said as he went and sought a bride for Isaac. He said, I being in the way, the Lord led me. We need to get in God's way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Where does it all begin? The course begins at the cross. The course begins with Jesus. If you want your life to count for Christ, first and foremost, you have to know Him as your Savior. Understand that we're all but mere sinful men. The Bible says, Whereas by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. You and I are sinners to the core. From the top of our head to the sole of our foot, there's not one of us in here today who has attained. For all have sinned. And it comes short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is only one way to heaven. It's not by, the Bible says it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saves us. By the washing of redemption, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, it's only through Jesus Christ that we can have our sins forgiven, gain a relationship with God, and hope for eternity. And none of us in here today deserve it. The only thing I deserve because of my sin is death. But Christians, friends, understand that Jesus Christ, if we're going to count for Christ, we must begin with Him. If we're going to end right, we've got to start right. If we're going to, if we're going to continue, we've got to start from the right place to count for Jesus. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, in just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. But as you bow your heads, close your eyes, won't you stand with me this morning?